Welcome back to the show, your ultimate playlist podcast full of choice tracks. I'm Brandon. I'm Damon. I'm Dietrich. And I'm Taj. Oh, boy. Welcome back to the show, or <laughs> if it's your first time joining us, welcome. Um, all right, so what we do here is, well, we do a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, so um, let, let's get right to it. Uh, so let's go ahead and drop that needle on side A. <laughs> All right. So don't lose it. Basically, what we do here is we have a theme. We pick our favorite choice track based on that theme. Uh, So the theme for this episode, Side A, is our favorite Disney song. (laughs) Who hasn't seen the Disney movie? You guys love Disney films? (laughs) (laughs) You like Disney films? (laughs) Who's Who's not part of the Mouse House, right? I mean, am I gonna lure some kids to like a weird van? With this, the 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 promise of di- good Disney. Kids I, I would be I Disney? would be shocked if if you haven't seen at least one Disney film, especially. That kinda, in, huh? Sorry, that kind of came across Eminemish, Eminemish, or or whatever. It's like, hi kids, do you like Primus? Want to see me stick nine each nails to each one of my eyelids? <laughs> <laughs> do you like do you like Disney? <laughs> I get some M M&M and M up up in here or what? You, you want some candy? <laughs> here, follow me. <laughs> it's the weird eighties candy van. It's a small world after all. Boy. All right. Well, okay. so, Disney so has I think dark side. Self- yeah, a dark I think, side. I think right. it's pretty self-explanatory what what Disney is. Disney movies, animated, live action, all that stuff. You, you probably know the brand pretty well. I don't think there's much I need to, to say about Disney. So anyway, um, all right, I'll go ahead and get us started. So for my choice track, I actually picked a song from a 1996 animated film from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and that song is Out There. All my life I wonder how it feels to pass a day not above there. So, when I when we were discussing this topic, it, you know, there were a few songs that came to mind. This was definitely in my top five, maybe top three. Um, I, I have a really a, a real connection to the film. I think it's just my experiences with the movie. Uh, when it came out in '96, I was 17. Um, you know, Disney was definitely riding, riding a high with the amount of films that had come out that were like really high caliber. And this one really just struck me when it first came out, especially how dark the film is. And the animation was very unique. Um, just the subject matter. It it was so different from the rest that Disney had done up till that point. Um, and this one, I, I don't know how this movie compares to, you know, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, you know, those those big hits, Lion King. Um, I feel like it gets lost in, in the, the shuffle. Um, but for me, the movie just resonated. I, I saw it three times at the theater. Um, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. There was that summer when that movie came out, it was at the end of May. Uh, I wanted to 
experience some of the animated songs without having to go to the film. And there was a time where Disney used to release these like sing-along VHSs. I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> uh, and they actually did release one like that summer with uh, without there on there. And I bought the VHS only so I could see that scene because I knew it would be forever till it came out on VHS. Yes, VHS. That's what we're talking about, folks. It was a long time ago. Um, anyway, the the song it uh, it was the music was by Alan Minken, who he wrote the music to Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, uh, Little Mermaid, Pocahontas, all those big hits. The lyrics were by Stephen Schwartz. Uh, it was sung by Tony Tony J and Tom Holtz, and mm. I never realized until you know. I started doing my own research. This was a long time ago. I, I've known this forever. But Tom Holch was uh, he was an actor who's most well known as uh, Pinto from American ha- uh, 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 Animal House. And <laughs> he, he was also in Amadeus as well. Um, but Thomas Holch, uh, Tom Holch, he played Quasimodo. Um, anyway, I, I've, I've always been a big fan of the song. It's 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 almost like there's almost two songs in the movie or in in this song technically there is the first part of the song is called stay in here and that's sung by uh tony tony J, who played frollo who is the antagonist and uh and then the second part is out there and that's the part sung by tom holch with uh who was quasimodo um yeah i don't know man the song i just it it still resonates. It connects. Like I don't get sick of hearing it. It is very very theatrical. Um, the lyrics. There are words in that song that I'm like, how did you make that those lyrics rhyme? I mean, there's some some big words in that song, and I'm just like, how is that even possible that you you made this work? Um, you know, the the message in the song is. It's in a lot. I mean, it, that's the the concept of that song is used in so many Disney movies, but right. it, it's perfection to me in in this movie. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, that was my choice track was uh, out there. So okay. Um, oh, oh yeah, Tosh. <laughs> so it, it, I like the song. This the song was good. Um, it, I'll be honest. I've only seen the movie once maybe twice but it, it's it's weird because um you know coming out of the 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 high of because of, you, you had little mermaid you had beauty and the beast you had aladdin and then you had um uh what was the other one right before that i was sorry i had my list here um po- pocahontas well lion king and then and then you had lion king and then you had pocahontas which took a little bit Pocahontas is good, but it wasn't like it kept building. And then after Lion King, like you had Pocahontas and then you had Hunchback. And it was kind of weird because to me, it was uh, Hunchback was it. It's it's weird. It's like they they got an idea and then they're like, let's do this because we can do anything. And you're like, they just kind of it because it covers a lot. Like it covers, you know, Quasimodo. It covers, you know. The you know the Inquisition covers you know um, French culture, but then the thing is like you could see the former lake part because they added the gargoyles, which was like ridiculous because <laughs> they had to have the the comedian sidekick 
party duo, but they made it true. I don't know. Hunchback just was one of those that I I can swear that I've only ever saw once, and because and I probably should go back to see it. But the song, yeah, I can for sure. I can see you, you can tell that's like theater, like it's theater production. You know, high notes, like excellent song material. But yeah, so and it makes a lot of sense too. Like Stephen Schwartz, the lyricist. You know, he's he has a, a theater background. I mean, he, yeah. he wrote the songs to like Godspell, Pippin, even some songs in Wicked as well. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to take my part in it. I'm going to say, one, I love the movie just for the fact that um, a couple of these Disney movies, you knew that they took out of context what it was supposed to be about. Like Pocahontas. Way out of context. <laughs> yes. like, <laughs> Peter Pan had its own um, theories and 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 conspiracies about it. Same with Aladdin and all that situation. But this was one that they tried to stick as close to the storyline as possible, and they actually portrayed that within the movie, and I love it. Um, the song itself, you could tell, was made specifically. To bring out that that kind of feeling um, of realism inside the movie, and even though yes, it was theater, yes, it, it does have that big sound to it. It was still one of those well placed songs that that kind of made that part of the movie. You know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely love that, and I feel uh, I like it a lot. Damon, yeah, no, you, you all make some good points. I think I think Disney has a lot of really good movies. There's like when I was a child or younger watching Disney 80s and 90s, which is that I, I think that's a, I know they're older than that, but that's where I kind of gravitate to because growing up, you know, Disney was probably all I was allowed to watch at some point. But uh, yeah, I think there's like a dark side to a lot of Disney stories that don't really come out. You don't really know as a kid what's going on, you know. So they, I think that's why a lot of adults like Disney too, but I think that it's really cool that Alan Menken is, um, he's like the composer that you know he writes all the music for all these different songs. My pick, Alan Menken, um, but yeah, I think that's that story definitely fits you, Brandon. I mean, I think that, I think it's cool that you picked this because it seems to fall in line with you know the themes that you like and. Um, I don't remember seeing this movie, but I know I did. I must have seen this when I was a kid. Uh, this was 96, so I'd say it was probably not a time where I was watching Disney movies. You know, a little bit older. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I, like, I really like the song, too. It's very instrumental. Um, that's I always, I always love listening to Disney music because there's a lot of good composition and uh the lyrics are always you know thought out i mean yeah this is great good pick man nice awesome so i got an interesting inside note hypothetical question for you so which is more iconic the hunchback or notre dame i mean like the two can can almost be separate like they're two like you can't have one without the other but i mean I, I kind of wonder, like, yeah. Wait, you're, you're saying which is more famous, the Hunchback or the location? <laughs> Notre, Notre Dame? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or Notre Dame? Yeah, Notre Dame. 
I would say Notre Dame is more famous than the Hunchback. Hunchback yes. is a fictional character. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like if you say that place, people automatically think about Hunchback, right? Or am no, I they no? think Fighting Irish. Uh, they think fighting. <laughs> Notre Dame, dude. <laughs> the Hunchback is a really old story, right? Kind of old play. It's in a book, yeah. Yeah. So that goes back to like, uh, like old school horror. Am I am I wrong about that? You might have seen that in like maybe like a Dracula movie. Like the I'm, Hunchback I'm, shows up, right? Like in little areas. Well, no, that's that's Igor, but Igor yes. is not the the Hunchback. No, no, the actual the Hunchback. hunchback. Is that yeah. is that strictly a Disney story? Is that no, 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 no. It, it's I know it's not strictly yeah Disney story, but okay. that's why I'm curious. Like, if you can think of one without the other, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, Disney bought the rights to it in order to put it out, but it's not a it's not a Disney original in that sense of the word. It's when you think of Hunchback of Notre Dame, you put it along the same lines of uh um what are you what is that called um. Oh, it's, uh, the opera. The, um, Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Literally slipped out of my mind. Put them in the same realm. Yeah. Um, that's how that's how I I compare the two. You know, they're they're yeah. on the side of suspenseful, not necessarily horror, but back in the day, they kind of played off the horror. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I'm seeing it's. Um, I did a little research. It's it's a French Gothic novel. That dates back to 1831, so it's a, it's a pretty old story. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't know what the origins were, and I, I did confuse the Hunchback with Igor, which is like they kind of they kind of look like they might be brothers. Maybe I don't know. It, it's Igor. <laughs> Igor. You can have illegitimate Cause brothers it, and sisters because it's Frankenstein, <laughs> not Frankenstein. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going there. You're not, not going there. there uh, okay. No. <laughs> all right. Um, all in all, good choice, man. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, Diedrich, what do you got? So, I got a story that came out in 1998. Good old Disney films. Um, this one was about a back in the um, times of Dynasties. Um, when you had actual um, Chinese and Japanese dynasties that would fight wars against each other, and in order for uh, to take over the kingdoms and and, and to reign the land, um, right before samurai, so to speak. Um, but this is about a story of a young woman who joins an army and disguised as a man in order to fight for her country to defend off people against the Huns. Um, who are a barbaric type of um, tribal race that, that comes through and tries to take over the land and they don't want to see their people get killed. So she becomes one of the best fighters in the land and actually a general to a point when, until people find out you know, who she actually is being a female. And I'm talking about the story of Mulan. And for those who have not seen Mulan, you need to go check it out because it really is one of those good stories. It's another one kind of like Yours, Brandon, where it actually is an older, very, very older story that, you know, Disney bought the rights to in order to make out the film. Um, but it's it's one that, that definitely is fun to watch because they did play it up a little bit 
kind of like how we were talking about Pocahontas and things of that nature. Um, the song that I'm referring to in that movie is when the um, general of the army is trying to get the troops together and it's called Man Out of You. Which basically means I'm gonna make a man out of you. You're, we're gonna we're gonna make you a soldier. We're gonna make you a warrior. And he's talking to the whole crew, um, the whole clux of of uh, people that applied in order to be a part of the army. And so she's one of those that's a part of the army, and she's messing up and and can't hold her weight. And they're all making fun of her and putting her in water and all types of stuff. But she builds up the courage to to overcome all of her obstacles in a way and winds up becoming a great warrior because of it. So right. the message in, this, in the story is, you know, it's funny with me because um, the reason why it appealed to me is because at, there was a point in time in 98, right after my knee surgery and I wasn't going to be able to play football anymore. I was thinking about joining the military and I was thinking about going down that route and see what I could do. And and the problem was I couldn't pass the physical test because my knee had so many screws in it that I wasn't able to do all the obstacles. So, but my spirits were broken a little bit and um, I just so happened to, I think I had my little cousin with me at the time. Um, she was like six and wanted to go see the movie. So um, me doing a part-time job, I took her to go see the movie. And I fell in love with it just off off the rip. But just the storyline in general, it kind of empowered her to to be she wanted to come out and be a warrior. And she would grab like little bamboo sticks you have sitting in a vase and take them out and swing them around like it was a sword. And I was like, that inspired me to to kind of like get on the good foot and get on my ass and quit worrying about stuff and just go forward. So um, that's what the song empowered to be. It was actually sung by Donny Osmond which would trip me out. Um, and the, the main thing that really tripped me out was who wrote the song. Um, it was actually wrote or written by uh, Matthew Wilder. So I don't know if y'all know, um, Matthew Wilder was um, in a rock band, came out in the 80s. Um, he was one of those people that kind of like um, had like a, a little bit of a successful song. It was like 84. It was like Break My Stride. You can go through and look it up. Uh, it was like on Cashbox. Uh, that was old stuff. It was on Billboard Top 100. Um, but he kind of looked like a blonde Kenny Kenny G. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good so description. To, yeah. <laughs> but um, he actually writes a lot of Disney songs. Um, like he's written for uh, Hannah Montana. He's written for Christina Aguilera, Kelly Clarkson, Miley Cyrus, Jackie uh, Kingdom, No Doubt. Um, it's like a whole bunch of people that he actually, uh, Hayden Pettiteri, uh, she had an unreleased album, but he actually wrote for her. Um, he's also you know, done a whole bunch of stuff and won a whole bunch of awards and things of that nature. So I was kind of like looking into him just to see his kind of lifestyle. And he went from being a rocker to writing kids songs. And it was just like, man, you can, you can make yourself out of anything if you just give yourself a chance to do something. So that's what I got. That's my person. That's my pick. That's my song. I'm going to make a man out of all y'all. Watch. Wait and see. (laughs) So we can, it, the other thing that makes that song classic is like it, it's a part of a good Disney montage because like 
the right before the song comes on, like he shoots the arrow at the top of the pole, and mm-hmm. and, and that's where he gives gives her the two uh, gives them the two weights. One is is it uh, discipline and strength or something, and they're like whoever can retrieve the arrow. And then they sing that song, and it ends with her retrieving the arrow. But yeah, that's like a good, a great montage song because <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. So. I love the part. Did you send me daughters when I asked for sons? I was like, damn, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's capping on everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, folks that don't know how to swim, they wish they learned before they got to join the army. It's like, man, come on. You shoot an arrow, three apples with three arrows, each of them hitting its own apples. Like, yeah, that's that's a beast right there. Right. But that's that's what it's about. So what do y'all think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, the song is definitely memorable. It's one of those songs that you remember from Mulan, for sure. Um, you know, I, I I probably knew it at some point, but when I did look it up, I, I like, I'm like, oh, wait. This guy sang the song in the movie, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. No, it, it's fine. It's a good song. I I don't mind it at all. Um, the uh, I, I don't know if it's my favorite song for Mulan, but it's definitely right. the the crowd pleaser from from the movie for sure. Um, and what I also really like is that the score from the film is by my favorite film composer. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith, so I thought that's pretty cool. Nice, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I I think it's a good choice. Um, it's it's not a bad song by any means. I definitely kind of feel like you know after Hunchback of Notre Dame, I that's when I think Disney was beginning to definitely let it slip. You know, like like I think it began with Pocahontas, and then Hunchback to me was was definitely an improvement, and I think Mulan was definitely an improvement. Two, and then I think that's when things went downhill for a little while uh, for Disney animation, not including Pixar by any means. Pixar was right. its own entity at that time. So yeah, Pixar uh, was yeah. kind of like a saving grace for for Disney for a minute because um, yeah, without them and coming in with like the the Incredibles and all that kind of stuff, like I don't I don't know how much longer they would have survived like that. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it was a good choice. I, I, I dug it. It was fun. Um, too bad the guy, the, the actor, didn't sing the, the song, though, that they had to get somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's it's funny. You know, there are other songs where actors sing, actually sing their songs, and you're like, yeah, you're not a singer, but you're trying to make it work. I'm not tripping. Yeah. But, yeah, no, good choice. Thank you. So. so they milly vanillied it up a little bit. <laughs> they weren't on stage singing it. That's the difference. Like they were on stage acting like that's them singing it. To blame it on the rain and the whole nine. Like, nah, it was a woman. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Donnie Osmond, that's that that did throw me off a little bit. That was pretty exactly. cool. I, I think nine was it ninety-eight? Um yep. Yeah, I think so. This is based. Is this based on an actual like like historical yeah. situation? Yes. But there was no yeah. protest for this one, right? This was '98, so I, th- I feel like a lot of that didn't have that isn't happening till now. But like when that movie was made, there wouldn't have been um, like people like protesting, you know, the accuracy of it, or you know, because it's a hor- historical event. 
It's great, right. great movie, great song. I, I liked, I liked your pick. Um, I can't say I would, I would like not like somebody's pick if it's a Disney movie or a Disney song. And it, like, like I was saying, like Disney has a dark side. There's so much in these stories that, as a kid, you just don't know. Yeah, but they're fun to watch. What's that? I say you don't pick up on, you don't know, you don't understand the undertones, but when you get older and you see it, you're like, damn, that's what I was liking this whole time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, I mean, I think that, you know, it's hard to remember watching these. It was so long ago. And, like I was saying before, like, the 90s, I wasn't watching Disney movies. I was I was growing up, you know, I was trying to be a big, big boy. So, everything I was doing was not related to, like, you know, watching Disney movies, but I, I love Disney. Um, I think my dad loved Disney. Like, uh, you know, my family would always go do stuff that had something Disney related. And that, and that's always so much fun. I think the last, what was it? Uh, Disney. I was in California. This was like the early two thousands. I was a little disappointed because I went to, I went to Disneyland in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and they shut down, it was they were getting ready for their 50th anniversary, and they had shut down the half the park, and I didn't realize there was like an adventure park next door. They wouldn't let me exchange my tickets. I'm like, oh, I'm so bummed out. So I went on the the little kid rides. You know, probably looked creepy, whatever. But yeah, I mean, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and all like the adult rides for that side of the park weren't open. They were trying to like get everything ready for this big anniversary party. Uh, the bash, you know, 50th anniversary, which, you know, I get it, but man, but yeah, that's, that's, there's so much to do. Like I, I, I would love to go to Disney world today. I'm sure they have like, like we're, we're picking these songs because it's, I think, I think we kind of gravitate to the eighties and nineties when we were younger, but there's so much more now with like, and Disney bought out, you know, like they own like, um, what is it? The star Wars franchise. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yep. that's added a whole new element to it. And, but like Mulan, great story. This is, this is the kind of like, I think even the, in the nineties, the artwork, um, it's, it was, it was digital, but it was still, it still had like the element of like hand drawn, artwork and you'll see more of that like in the 60s and 70s and some of the animation but yeah this was i mean it was digitally digital digitally done if i could speak um but uh yeah no i loved it yeah so i i just had two things and real quick so one is um the what i do like about this song especially is that you know disney like the song itself did it leaned into the time period and the fact that it, it is supposed to be an all male army and and it was just it wasn't trying to be biased it was just like the the story itself so I like how the song didn't shy away from it the song is very much like no I'm gonna make a man out of you even though it's this female character hiding as a guy. Um, but you know they totally could have written that song or used a different word in the song and. It brings me to the point that I can't remember, but I could have sworn when the trailers for this movie came out, they used to show the same clips, but they used to have the song Kung Fu Fighting. 
on the on the TV trailers. And for right. some reason, I, I for some reason I thought that song was in this movie, and I double checked, and it's not. It's it's so. I mean, this is a way better song than Kung Fu Fighting. So, but yeah. So at least for a Disney movie, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. All right, and with that, Jamin, <laughs> what's your choice? <laughs> Well, there's no kung fu under the sea, but what? that's that's what? yeah. I, I've confirmed it, um, but uh, there's fish that's my pick. Fish, there there might be some fish foo. I have to I have to get with my my connections here to find out. But uh, so um, I picked under the sea. Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. And that's that's from The Little Mermaid. Um, this was this was a, a movie that came out in 1989, and of course, you know, the 80s and 90s. That's 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 just where I go. Uh, but I, I love Under the Sea. That, that there's a lot of good songs on that album, but that brings me back to you know you got the. Uh, Sebastian the crab and how he's trying to keep he's trying to keep um, Ariel you know under the sea he's trying to keep her in their in their home and she's just not having it she's not listening to him she wants to go to her her boyfriend um, what was it Prince Eric Prince Eric Prince Eric yeah so doesn't that she, sound like all teenagers yeah exactly um that's probably yeah. That's probably where I was at that time too. I wasn't exactly a teenager yet, almost, but I was rebelling, I guess. But uh, I think a lot of kids probably like 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 that story because of that. They can relate to that. But yeah, I think I think that song because of Sebastian the Crab. That's why I love the song. Um, but yeah, the story is the story is great, and there's so many good songs on it. I think uh, Taj's favorite is "Kiss the Girls," <laughs> uh, but uh, don't ask me how I know that. I don't know. Just, just guessing. But that's all. That's and that's. Um, I think we were we were we were talking about your pick too, uh, Brandon. So we got the same composer, mm-hmm. but yes, Alan Menken, but. Um, which I didn't know he did all those. Di- I didn't know. I, I guess it makes sense, but I didn't know he did so many Disney, uh, so much Disney music. But yeah, that's great. So, what did y'all think of of my pick? And what are your thoughts on uh, the Little Mermaid? I, I, I do want to throw this in there real quick. I I always try to stick with a song from a band that I saw live. So I did see the Little Mermaid. It was two years ago, I think. Three years ago in Austin, uh, they did a uh, they did a play. So okay. at our at our Zilker Park here in Austin, um, yeah, that was a great that was a great show. They did do all these great songs. It was it was good to see um, the actors and actresses. You know the the, the vocalists the vocalists were great. The music was awesome, really represented. So uh, yeah, so I saw these guys live too. I saw Under the Sea live. You saw you saw Ariel live. I did. Yeah. Was she she floundering around? She was. She was like, "Give me the water." They kept her out on the stage. 
<laughs> it was awful. It was, I, I was about to call PETA. <laughs> was she Where technically be under PETA? You already get the Coast Guard involved. Uh, Coast Guard. I think PETA would probably, yeah, why not? It, I, I say just go straight for the source. Call Tom Hanks. He's going he's gonna to fix that situation. <laughs> True. Daryl Hannah was involved somehow. Oh man, that was that was one of the best things. Yeah. <laughs> Move on from there, but yeah, um, man, under the sea. Yeah, got he doesn't like Sebastian. Come on, thanks, thanks, damn it, it's stuck in my head now. I can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it- it, for sure, it's it's iconic. I mean, you that, that is one of the ones like you know it's Disney the the minute you hear it. Um, and um, yeah, that that one. It, I wonder how much that song gets played though on Disney cruises because that has to be like one you play right when you're boarding the ship on every every Disney cruise ship. So <laughs> probably not. Uh, it, it, the, the reference is under the seat. You don't want to be uh, under the sea uh, on a cruise. This isn't the Titanic, yeah. <laughs> That's not a good reference point, Todd. I think That's Todd just wanted, to, wanted us to use our budget to send him on a cruise. He to find that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, all right. I'm not tripping on him wanting what he wants. That's that's understandable. I'm just saying that's not the way to go. Yeah, you see <laughs> what we can do. Our budget. We, we're lack of budget. Lack of I mean, Bruce. I don't want to do that because if we do, then he's going to be stuck out there because they're not going to be coming back for like three months. Right. <laughs> yeah, the choice track tracks cruise uh, TBD, y'all. Yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah, work. And I, I just, I just want to say, I, I really like your choice. Um, I'm a big fan of Little Mermaid. Uh, Little Mermaid is what brought Disney back on the map. Little Mermaid is what saved Disney, um, and for good reason. Uh, I mean, the music is infectious, it's catchy. You know, I think the lyrics were the lyrics by Tim Rice, if I remember right. Um, Maybe it's not oh, Tim Rice. It could have been someone else. Um, no, it's not Tim Rice. No. What's his it name? It is. Oh, man. I, I know his name. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can, it is. Um, so the lyrics are by Howard Ashman? Yes, Ashman? that's it. Because he also did Beauty and the Beast. And uh, and he was in the middle of Aladdin. And unfortunately, he passed away. Um, I think during the middle of Aladdin. Um, so anyway. Oh, no, wow. it's. Great, great, great choice. It's, it may not be my favorite song from Little Mermaid, but it is definitely the, maybe the most memorable song from Little Mermaid for a reason. Uh, it's song, fantastic. Uh, great lyrics. Animation is, is stellar in, you know, in that movie. Um, yeah, great choice. And, oh, thanks. And, and, you know, I, when you when you mentioned the animation, I think I, I don't know exactly how a lot of this stuff in the late eighties, early nineties was drawn up, but I, I grew up at like, like trying to be an artist. Right. So I did see how a lot of stuff transitioned from like hand drawn, you know, animation to a lot of it going digital, which is fine too. Um, 
it's just a different style. So I, I like a little bit of that older older style, and I think that I think they must have captured a lot of that. And a lot of it's in you know like the coloring and stuff like that, but it's it's a little more simpler, and I kind of like it. So, but yeah, that's a good point. Um, that, that's that's really sad though that that Howard Ashman passed away in the middle in the middle of um, production. Uh, yeah, it was during Aladdin. Um, he died in '91, and Aladdin came out in '92. Um, and so they had someone step in. Do you know who stepped in? Uh, they... I'm trying to look that up. I don't know. I felt like they brought another lyricist in, but I'm not 100 percent sure. And you know, a lot of the stuff like I, I've actually seen a lot of uh, Disney go to video games too, and I, I love that kind of that. Those kind of games are great. Um, I know Aladdin was huge in the '90s. I think it, I don't know if it was when Super Nintendo came out or Sega. But uh, I remember the Aladdin video game. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. I know. There, I think I have a Little Mermaid game actually. And he might have been the sole credit on on the songs and Aladdin, but I do know that he had passed away before the movie was finished. Yeah, that's that's always so. That's that's difficult. I think for the crew that's working on a production when someone that's a big part of it or any any part of it passes away in the middle of it, they have to keep going. And then whoever fills their shoes, it's like uh, that's got to be difficult, yeah. you know. I, I've I've always been a little curious. Like I know I forgot his name, but I at at the beginning of this, but I've I was always curious. Like if he had if he had been around after Aladdin, you know, would Lion King have been made? And what kind of animated films would we have gotten? And what would the songs have been? You know, because I'm sure he would have. Yeah continued working on like future projects with disney and what would they have been right absolutely interesting choice of words and and how it flows like yeah i I can definitely see how that would be that would be an interesting concept because you could have a whole different uh a whole different lion king well yeah well think about it like would lion king have been made like would elton john have been brought in you know (laughs) Lion King would have been made regardless because Disney stole that story from another animated film back in the fifties. So um, they were going to do it, but but would it have been Elton John? It no, maybe not have been, or you know, that, John and Tim Rice. I think exactly. That is why I I was going to pick the Lion King. I was going to pick a song from the Lion King because of Elton John, but um, I just I just had to go with Under the Sea. I mean, I I, I think that because I saw. You know, like the Little Mermaid, and in, in like a live show, and um, you know, just that's what I remember as a kid. But yeah, that, that those are good points, though. Like, would have would it have changed a lot of how Disney was shaped? Because I mean, I feel like back in the day, in the eighties and the nineties, these artists, the composers, songwriters, um, you know, and like the the actual like visual artists your job was different. Like there weren't as many people doing what you want to do, but now it seems like it's a little bit harder to get into the field. Uh, Like you have to, you have to really, you know, be on your game, but like there's probably different reasons for bringing people into what they do. And, you know, just, just the outcome is different too. Like the, the art of, you know, like animation, everything is so different over the years, every decade, something changes, but we keep trying to evolve more and more. It doesn't always, I don't think it's always better. 
But right. Yeah. Uh, you should write a story, Brandon, about uh, the what if. Well, I, I know there's been a documentary uh, about him. Oh, okay. Oh, that'd be great, too. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to Taj? No. <laughs> Why not? No. I like good. Disney. We almost forgot you, Taj. Just kidding. Uh-huh. Just kidding. And this is right. Taj. Is this is Taj. Yeah. Okay. So um, I went a little bit older than everybody. <laughs> um, so the uh, movie that I picked is actually Mary Poppins. Um, so it's from 1964. Um, so back then, the main writing duo uh, for um, Disney was two brothers called the the Sherman Brothers, um, and they did a lot of Disney stuff. So they did. They started in pretty much like 61 with Parent Trap. Um, they did the Sto- Sword in the Stone. They did Jungle Book. Uh, they did Mary Poppins. They did Winnie the Pooh. So they did both their live action and um, and animated movies. Um, and then they they left Disney to do Chi Chi Bang Chi Chi Bang Bang, which I didn't pick because it's not Disney. It was their first project after Disney. But um, so the the say that the, title again, Taj. Chi Chi Bang Bang. <laughs> You mean chitty chitty bang bang? Chitty chitty bang bang, yeah. <laughs> are you saying are you saying what I think you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> yeah, but never mind. Oh what Okay. Don't say it then. I won't say it. Wait, say it so. one more time, Tom. Say it one more time. <laughs> Just, just for our fans, come on. It's Chitty Chitty with a C-H. Chitty Chitty. Bang, bang. Say that ten times fast. Huh? <laughs> no, I'm not Okay. <laughs> so, um, so I went with Mary Poppins because Mary Poppins was um, – of the of the live action Disney stuff they did, like Mary Poppins is probably the, the most known um, – uh, ones with, with all the songs, I still didn't. <laughs> I still went a little bit deep. I didn't do the the uh, spoonful of sugar, or I didn't do super califragilisticexpialidocious. Um, I almost thought. Uh, I almost did. A, I love to laugh, but I didn't do that one. No, what I went with with uh, was with a chim chim tree. <laughs> Jim, Jiminy, Jim, Jiminy, Jim, Jim, Cherie. A sweep is as lucky as lucky can be. Jim, Jiminy, Jim, Jiminy, Jim, Jim, Cherie. So, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> what? So, Damn, bro, you good. I'm just listening to you speak and, and having fun with it. That's all. Jimmy so, Chunkers? Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, not Jimmy Chunkers. Jimmy <laughs> I, could, I couldn't get it out. I love it. Okay. Right. That was also another movie. That, and yeah, it was, was not a Disney film either. It was not right. Disney, it, but it was made by the Sherman Brothers. It was their first movie after leaving Disney. So yes, yeah. So so I just mentioned it because it was. It, I I was totally hoping it was a Disney movie, and then I found out it wasn't. So I was like, oh, okay. So. Uh, uh, but you might uh, be the first person in history who is disappointed that that movie was not made by. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Well, hmm. well, only because I couldn't pick any songs from it, but yeah. So, so um, <laughs> with uh, so the the one of the reasons why I picked Chim Chim Tree is because uh, it's my uh, stepsister uh, was obsessed with British stuff, and so. Um, but, you know, I grew up in a, in a small town in New Mexico where we have adobe houses, but you have fireplaces, right? And it was one of those things that because of this song, and I have to attribute it to only this song, because of this song, like, she always had the mindset that if we ever had somebody come clean the chimney, that we had to shake his hand afterwards for good luck. And, and so that, that's why I picked this song, because that's... It, it's it's interesting because um, it's been a while since I've seen Mary Poppins, but Mary Poppins is kind of like a Disney commentary on capitalism, <laughs> so in a weird way. And and you know, this is no. Did you think cannibalism? Cannibalism. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> I heard him right on that one. That is a cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not going to shake my chimney sweeper's hand. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, that was Mary Poppins about cannibalism. <laughs> I want to see that. Okay, Brandon, you got a lot of stuff to write. <laughs> my daddy was a plumber. <laughs> and so you're saying, Taj? So it was Fizzy's first and only film to tackle cannibalism. <laughs> Yeah, that spawned Cannibal the Musical. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Is this an arm or a leg? So, wait, did, uh, so there was there was a 2004 rendition of, of Mary Poppins, right? And that this song was actually used in that? Is that correct, Taj? No, uh, in the 2004? Not that I know yeah. of. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'd have to go back and... and there was Mary Poppins Returns from a few years ago. That yeah. was the that's, yeah, that was yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Next, <laughs> the, yeah. So, but yeah. So, w- with this song, I, I'd be remiss to say that it's a uh, Dick Van Dyke try and play off <laughs> with a Courtney. Is it Cockney? Cockney, Cockney? yeah, Cockney. <laughs> which uh, blows my mind. Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So, and him and Julie Andrews. It, it, the other. Thing that I just last thing I want to mention is like this song is is iconic, but then um, like it, once you hear it, you you hear the melody, but then the kind of the way it ends is like just interesting because he talks about how uh, uh, the uh, you know there's a shadow and dark and there's things moving in the shadows. Uh, I, I don't have the right line, but it was it just like like where are you going with this song? <laughs> and it, it it just ends. And then, yeah, the next song after this is Step in Time, just so, in case you're wondering where it's at. So, yeah. All right. I'll let you guys talk. Sorry. I've been yammering. Oh, we're good, man. We're letting you get it out. So. I'm good. Y'all good? I, nothing. No, I I mean, I like the song. I, I like Mary Poppins. I grew up watching it. Uh, it's one of my mom's favorite movies, so we would watch it you know here and there um yeah no it's 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 a good song um i don't know if it's my favorite again from uh from this movie uh but I, it is definitely a standout 
Right. Um, you know, and, and yeah, his accent is interesting. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I can't do it. So, um, anyway, yeah, no, it's, I haven't seen the first one in a long time. Um, but definitely when I went to listen to it for the, the podcast, you know, it, it brought back memories and very fond memories of eating other people. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> All right. That coming. Yeah. <laughs> when the director of Cannibal Holocaust watched Mary Poppins, he was inspired to make his movie Cannibal Holocaust. Right, anyway. Uh, yeah, I know. So wasn't that like Trey Parker and Matt Stone that did Cannibal they Holocaust? Did Cannibal the Musical, inspired by musical. Mary Poppins. That's right, Cannibal the Musical. It was no, no, it's, it's a good, very good choice. Very good choice. Definitely, definitely a standout. I, and that will definitely go down as, you know, I would say like top, maybe top 50 Disney songs of all time. Like, it's, it's memorable. Gotcha. Okay. So. You, anything, yeah. Damon? You, well, you mentioned, um, I think you mentioned, like, The Parent Trap. And so that that was all the 60s, right? Yeah, all the 60s, yeah. Yeah, yeah that kind of, that that does, uh, that, that brings me back. I remember seeing a lot of these uh, movies. I saw, you know, Mary Poppins when I was a little kid. Um, yeah, like, I, I think that not only with, like, you know, like, digital artwork changing, but, like, film style changing, too. You can see a whole difference in in how the dialogue is and how you know, like the film like structure and the quality. And I wouldn't say the film quality is bad. Like now we have like everything's HD and you know four K, eight K, whatever. But you could remaster something like that and it would still look really good today. And I think it's because they did such a good job with raw film. You know, eight, eight millimeter, I guess. Brandon, is that right? What? Did they shoot this on eight millimeter? What no, would this would have been thirty-five millimeter. Thirty-five millimeter. Okay. Yeah. That's what. It, okay. Yeah. Like the reels. Um, yeah. And this is also part of the time when, um, like, there was a lot of stuff, uh, like placed, filmed or, or placed in in uh, England, like the location. Because the the next one after this one that they did was Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, which I almost picked the song from that, but. I figured Mary Poppins was more iconic than Bent Knobs and Broomsticks. Um, but I know I've seen Bent Knobs and Broomsticks more times than I've seen Mary Poppins. So. I but, always yeah. affiliate those with the same storyline. Is it not the same? Is that a totally different story? Yeah, totally different story. So, yeah. But it's a, is it the same actress, though? I'm, no. I'm remembering. Okay. Bent Knobs and Broomsticks is Angela Lansbury and, um, oh. Oh, wow. Who the, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. She's yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, th- this was before it was. This was when it was safe to know her, and you wouldn't die. <laughs> you know, when she grew, was older, and, you know, murder she wrote, <laughs> and you didn't want you didn't want to be related to her at all. <laughs> right, so, right. <laughs> that was before all that. There were there were a lot of murders in her small town, like once a week, apparently. Man. <laughs> Is there a bed knob and a broomstick involved, or like? Uh, Might have been. I mean, there were a lot of episodes, so it's certainly possible, right? Might have been. I'm just saying, right? So, but okay, 
I'm I'm good, done. It's good pick, Taj. It, it fits you. <laughs> I think that I would have thought that you would pick something like this too. It, it, it's great. You know, I, lo- I love the setting of you know like Mary Poppins and the whole story. It's everybody references Mary Poppins in some way. Yeah. What did you think, Diedrich? <laughs> um, it was crap. That's trash. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no man, um, that was not one of my favorites from okay. from uh from the movie. Um, I distinctly remember sitting in second grade, and whenever we did good as a class, we would get hamburgers and chips and get to watch that movie. Um, so that was fun. Um, that brought back those type of memories. That being said, I got in trouble, so I had to sit up in the front where I couldn't see the TV. So. And I heard the song and everybody trying to sing along with it. And I was already pissed off. So I didn't want to hear it. So that just brought back negative thought process. But outside of that, you know, it's definitely a good pick. Um, I'm glad that you took it back to the non-animated Disney side because that side was lost uh, in translation somewhere along the line, along the way. And right. um, it was definitely a good time for Disney movies coming out around that that. That situation, um, yeah, it was like Patty Duke and all them. So yeah, it definitely, it definitely worked out. And I, I do like the song. It's not my favorite on there. Like I said, I'm a super califragilistic expialidocious type of person. <laughs> but and yes, I can say it five times fast. But with that said, you know, said it was a good pick. No problems. Okay. So, all right, Brandon, how are you feeling? I feel good. You, you ready? Ready? To go to side B. Yeah, let's go to side B and let me introduce you to a nightmare. <laughs> nightmare. So let's right. drop that needle on side B. You talking about Freddy's nightmares or what kind of nightmare are you talking about? Somebody's nightmares. Steven's nightmares. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, or more specifically, Alice Cooper's Welcome to <laughs> Night. Welcome to my nightmare. Oh, boy. Here we go. Yes. So this was you got your homework for this week. Uh, the choice album that I selected. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. So you can cut this part. Right? <laughs> right. So anyway, uh, my the choice album for the week uh, was actually Alice Cooper's "Welcome to My Nightmare." Um, I'm sure we're all familiar with Alice Cooper. At some point, we've heard songs by him. You know, he definitely has quite a few hits. Uh, he has a great, great scene in uh, Wayne's World um, that I'm sure is very memorable. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Um, and, you know, for me, I, that's what I knew about Alice Cooper for the longest time. Like, you know, you heard the hits. You heard School's Out. You heard 18. Feed My Frankenstein, and then, of course, his scenes in Wayne's World. Um, but I never really took the time to listen to a full album. And then at some point, I don't know, maybe in the last 15 years, there was an article in a, a magazine that I really like called Rue Morgue, and it was a write-up about Welcome to My Nightmare. And I read the article, and it really intrigued me. So I seeked out the album, um, you know, and I again, I don't think I'd ever listened to a full album by Alice Cooper. Again, just know the greatest hits. 
And um, so I listened to Welcome, Welcome to My Nightmare, and I was completely blown away. This wasn't the artist that I remember, remember from Wayne's World. It wasn't the artist that I knew from School's Out. Um, I It's an album that that is definitely up there on one of my favorites. Um, it came out in 1975. It was actually Alice Cooper's first solo album uh, before, you know, he was part of a band. Um, so anyway, it was his, it was his first album he made after the band broke up in 1974. The album Welcome to My Nightmare is actually considered a concept album. And it's actually the songs are about a journey through the nightmares of a child named, named Stephen. So these songs, you know, as, as a whole are like each song's like a nightmare of this ki- for this kid um and the, and the thing i really like about the album too is yes it's a rock album it's a hard rock album but there's so many genres in in this album too so many different kind of songs like there's kind of a disco feel in one of the songs very theatrical in some songs a ballad uh, a cabaret song um you know, like all these songs are just telling all these different stories, you know, and and when you start listening to the album at the very beginning, you may not know that it's a concept album. But then when you get towards the end, you're like, oh, wait a minute. OK, you know, you get introduced to the boy, Steven. So at the very beginning, you you don't know that it's this kid, this kid's nightmares. Um, anyway, when the, song, when the album came out, it w- had very mixed reviews. Uh, and, and he went on a very notorious tour in 75. There's a lot of interesting stories about that. They made a, uh, like TV special and then a feature link special about this album. Um, the artwork is incredible. The artwork actually was by Drew Struzan, who went on to be one of the most, uh, famous movie poster artists doing films like Indiana Jones and back to the future uh, Blade Runner, all those type of type of films. Um, you know, in retrospect, people now look back on it, and I think a lot of people now consider it his best solo album. Um, it's also, I was reading that it also tends to have the most songs on his uh, concert set list out of all his other albums that he's done. Um, I've actually seen Alice Cooper live, and it was one hell of a show. I had a great time. This is, you know, Alice Cooper not in his heyday. You know, this is maybe like in the last five, ten years that I saw him. And he gives 110%. Uh, he surrounds himself with great musicians. On this album alone, he had like the backup band of Lou Reed. And uh, the, the backup band of Lou Reed's live band. Uh, and the and the music's incredible. The songs are incredible. I don't think there's a bad track on the album. Um, I had a hard time trying to pick my my favorite favorite song, but if I had to pick it, it would probably be "Only Women Bleed" would be my favorite track <laughs> on the album. And I think you know the reason for that is probably because there's so many different type of styles in that song. Uh, and, and his voice is incredible. I like how theatrical it is. I like how uh, epic that song is. Um, but again, there's so many great songs on there. I wanted to introduce you guys to Alice Cooper, maybe the Alice Cooper you don't know. 
And uh, I definitely think it's not Dallas Cooper that we know from Wayne's World. Um, I think it's something even better than what you saw in Wayne's World. Uh, so, yeah, that was my pick. Welcome to my nightmare. Alice Cooper, 1975. See, I, I knew we were Kendrick Souls when we started this whole thing. <laughs> because I went back, listened to the album. At first, I thought it was going to be like a, a Rocky Picture Horror Show type, you know, theater type situation. And it brought so much more than that. Like, I really didn't give it the credit that it was due, uh, especially on the second listen through. But yeah, Only Women Bleed, that's my pick. That is hands down the buildup. Um, the, the instrumentation is involved in it. Um, like that that totally hits me. It's like, yeah, this this is the one I will rock out to. Nice. Yeah, and, and one thing I do want to mention too, uh, one of the songs, Devil's Food, actually has Vincent Price doing this spoken word thing at the end of the song, and it's phenomenal. It's so right. great. And it just adds to that layer I that love that. concept that this is a kid's nightmare. And who better to do a voiceover in your nightmare than Vincent Price, especially in the 1970s? It's, right. it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but, so it, I, I like the, the album. Like, I didn't realize, I didn't know he did Schools Out. It, I, really, I couldn't, before you... I couldn't tell you like what song Alice Cooper did. Like I, I kind of knew the artist and I kind of had in my head, like hair metal band, hair rock band. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, you know, schools out when, once you say the title, I know that one feed my Frankenstein. I, I knew that one. So, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect with this. I wasn't sure if it was going to be like a rocker, <laughs> like a rocker, <laughs> uh, you know, a song, um, I, I really did enjoy it. I, I kind of felt like the songs. The, so I kind of have three picks, but it's actually five songs because I feel like two, two of the songs come in couplets. So like Devil's Food and Black Widow goes together. That's a couplet. Those two songs should be because they just bleed right into each other. And then Stephen and The Awakening, those two just bleed right into each other. Those two uh, should almost be like a couplet together. Um only women bleed. Yeah, that that song's awesome. Like the the, the material that's covering there, and you're like, oh my, you know, this is messed up. <laughs> like, you know, if you're in that situation, get help. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, the, the message that's there. Um, it's hard. Like, like I said, it, between all those, it, I did like it overall. I'm kind of leaning towards Stephen and the Awakening for for my pick. But it's close because only women bleeds, like you said, it is awesome. So yeah, nice. Yeah. So what you got, Damon? Are, are you so, this, are you this uh, uh, cowl person? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I actually like Al Skipper's great, and okay. so Brandon and I go to this thing called Texas Frightmare Weekend, and Alice Cooper was supposed to show up. Uh, I think it was like two years ago, and so he had to, he had to cancel. But that that would have been great to see him there, and he might actually show up again. But to see him live would be great. So where did where where did uh where did you, did you see him again? What did you? Um, what? I saw him at the uh, the Moody Theater. Or... Moody Theater. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean it was pretty intimate. It was pretty awesome. We were pretty close. 
Yeah, no, that and Alice Cooper would be an awesome show for that theater too, because it is kind of like a smaller, intimate uh, place. You know, so many, there's only so many seats. I mean, every seat's a good seat in the house. Uh, yeah, no, that that would have been great. I I would like to see him. Um, yeah, Wayne's World's awesome. Like seeing him on that was an awesome cameo. I think they were doing, weren't they doing like the Wayne's World concert or something? It was before that. Well, they they just said they were given passes, tickets to go. All right, on backstage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not worthy either, but yeah, no. Al Skipper's like, go ahead, Tosh. Oh, well, I was I was just gonna ask it. um, So Brandon, so there's there was a couple songs on here that kind of felt more rock opera ish. So his concept album, just like a general term, but is rock opera just like a genre, or is it because? (laughs) <laughs> so i don't know i know that seems like a weird question to ask you but well it, it, i don't i i mean i don't necessarily think rock opera and concept album are the same thing oh they're um, not okay no because concept album could be even even like a, a rapper can do a concept album it's not gotcha. a rock mm-hmm. opera it's it, it, that, okay that's what i was saying like concept album is larger but rock opera is smaller subset of concept but yeah gotcha or maybe not, or two separate things. I got you. Okay. Yeah, two separate things altogether. I mean, is that when you're talking about conceptual um, album, I mean, it's you're literally bringing a story to it, and you're okay. playing it throughout the whole album. Versus, gotcha. you know, just have an idea and then play out the idea type situation. Like this is this is a whole idea thought all the way out and all the way through. Right. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and from beginning to end, and he did that. Gotcha. Right. Right. Like. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole, there's a whole theme, a whole story in the Welcome to My Nightmare, and yeah. in, many many years later, in the 2000s, he actually made a sequel album called Welcome to My Nightmare Two, um, and you know, it's it's not as good, but there's still some pretty decent tracks on there. It's fun, but it's definitely not the one that from '75. Yeah, you can tell the difference between 2011. Alice Cooper and, and 75 Alice Cooper. Yeah. Def, definitely. So, yeah. So, so Damon, like, this was, was this your first time listening to a full Alice Cooper album? No, it, it wasn't my first time listening to a full album, but it's my first time really going into this album with, you know, going along the journey of Stephen's Nightmare. You know, it's like, it is, it is a story. You follow this whole album as like a journey. And it's like it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid, like just like the scary. Like I had, I would have like nightmares about clowns and all kinds of weird shit. Um, and that you know, that's kind of what I got out of this. It's like he's 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 afraid of everything, right? My my pick was the Black Widow, and you you have a good point, Taj. It does kind of like tie into the song before it, the Devil's Food, right? Right. Um, yeah, with- with Vincent Price talking about the Black Widow, <laughs> and that's that's what I love about that song is Vincent Price is on that, and I got to meet his his daughter Victoria Price, which was she was really cool. You know, she did. I think I might have talked about talked about her in an earlier episode, but um, yeah, Vincent Price is great in that. Like he does, like you know, like uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. He's on that as well, doing the narration for that song, but. Yeah, he's perfect for that. This this kind of thing, and I'm not surprised they did a collaboration. But um, yeah, like so, like one of the one of the verses in the Black Widow, 
are are like oh my god these lyrics are crazy like i mean i don't know how long it took him to to create this like he's creating like like that is a good question is this a rock opera what is this the concept album like i could totally see this whole album becoming like a movie and i would love it you know i was right there with you if they did that make this a movie it would it would it would be excellent if somebody directed it and did it right. It, it would be yeah that that would be serious serious jobs. And if you look at his 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 videos, Alice Cooper's like music videos, they are theatrical. They're like mini movies. They're like shorts. But mm-hmm. like I I would compare it to something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They have like a musical episode, and I could totally see that style with Alice Cooper, like just going very far like i i think that people would love it but yeah the verse one of the verses in the black widow our minds will be his toy and every girl and boy will learn to be employed by the black widow that's like that's that's intense (laughs) that's that's creepy too but yeah this is like a very scary but kind of like um i guess i would also compare it to another movie that was that came out in the 80s with david bowie the labyrinth and or labyrinth um just that kind of style of like you know like the mad hatter kind of style of crazy cartoon scary for little kids um yeah no that's but the black widow like the black widow was probably like i think the melody and just not even looking at the story i think that was probably my favorite pick as far as how the music went with that like my style. And then my second favorite would have been like, uh, welcome to my nightmare. The first song on the album. So that that's more of my style, you know, and because it's a story, you're following a story. Like it's very musical, very out there, which is also what I would expect from Brandon. But, uh, yeah, no, that's great. I I would say for a long time, welcome to my nightmare might've been my favorite, but then throughout the year, only women bleed just grew on me more and more i heard it um but again like there's so many tracks it's it's so hard like i like some folks a lot too Um, yeah uh, yeah it's it's just there's so many good songs on this and i think that's one thing that's missing these days you know we probably brought this up again and again but like you know it wasn't about the single you know it's like the the whole album coherently works together like you you know you can't just like hear one you know you got to hear them all um anyway and and one of the reasons why i think i picked this this particular album too is i'm just warming you guys up to uh warming you up for some heavy metal so (laughs) want to get a vibe from you guys to see if i could pick a heavy heavy metal album so i think you guys are ready (laughs) bring it bring it that's all I'm saying. Bring it, please. So like, bring it. So this is around the time, like you know, like the the horror movie, The Changeling, like that. That was sixties or seventies, or Brandon. Uh, Changeling was nineteen eighty. That was nineteen eighty. Seventy-five. Okay. Yeah. The, the, all of this, like nineteen seventies to the like, early eighties, it has this, just a weird but like really cool vibe, like like the first Halloween movie, like I mentioned. Uh, it just, uh, I don't know, like something, something pulls me in. Like it's, it's, a, I don't know if it's like just like the writers and the creators of, of like this, the music and like these films, if it's, if it's like, 
I don't know, like where, where, how they, how they did it. Like if it, if it was just based on like the style of the time, or if there was like an influence. But like, who do you think the influence was for Alice Cooper? Do you know who his idols were? Because I mean, he's so out there. Like I, I couldn't even like start. You know, I. I mean, I, I can't, I don't want to like, I don't want to say for sure because I don't know. Um, but I can tell you that actually Frank Zappa and Alice Cooper have a connection. Really? What's that? Uh, Frank Zappa was actually involved with, with uh, if I remember right, Alice Cooper's first album. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Oh, man. That's crazy. I'm blown. Anyway. Yeah. I could really see them two working together too. I don't know if it really. I I don't think it it. I don't think it was great. Uh, and I think if I remember right, Frank Zappa and Alice Cooper are like, okay, let's just go in different directions. Like I yeah. can't help. I can't help you. You have to do. You you know. You are your own thing. Yeah, I never said they would work together long. <laughs> No, because no. they're both definitely opinionated individuals, but yeah. it would be cool with them working together. That's that's a that's one of those situations. So I'm down with it. Well, um, if we have nothing else to say, Diedrich, do you have homework for us? What? Y'all remember me? Oh, of course. All right. So I've got a sort of an EP. That I want y'all to listen to. I know we've been going through albums and 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 putting out stuff and and you'll have like 15, 17 songs. Some may have 11, 12, 13. This one is eight songs. Um, it is by a a duo. It's an R&B duo. It comes together out of Los Angeles, California. And the name of the album is The Juice Part Two. And the name of the group is called Emotional Oranges. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was looking for that response. So, emotional oranges, the juice, part two. Um, I want y'all to check that out and pull it up. And tell me what you think about it, and uh, we'll come back and talk about it. And All right. Said, Look forward to it. And the juice, part two. And what was okay? Gotcha. Yeah, the juice, part two, is the name of the album. Uh, the artist is called Emotional Oranges. Um, the album okay. came out twenty nineteen, and. Um, it's, it's just a vibe. It's 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 all the way a vibe. So, tell me what y'all think about it. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Um, well, uh, so you can uh, find us on our website of Choice Tracks. Uh, you can email us at choicetracks at gmail dot com. Uh, please. Uh, find us on social media. Uh, please subscribe and listen to all past and future episodes. And let's go ahead and sign out. I've been Taj. I'm Brandon. I'm still Damon. Under the sea. <laughs> Under the sea. Sometimes I feel like I'm under the sea. Yeah, I couldn't help it. As long as we're not on a cruise, uh, I think we'll be all right singing a song. No, I can't eat crab tra- anymore. Oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, who wants crabs? Not me. All right, we're good. Uh, oh, my gosh. Wait. Wait. You can do our closing line, <laughs> Mr. Under oh. the Sea. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got caught up in Under the Sea, my bad. <laughs> um, so we're going to pick up the needle, but you keep spinning those choice tracks.